calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, I'm Madigan, and you're listening to Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist, a podcast that explores the world through a personal feminist perspective. Hello, hello to all of my very radiant ragers. I hope that you are all doing splendidly today. Thank you for dealing with me earlier this week when I was trying to decide what the fuck I was going to upload for the full-length episode. I was working so hard on trying to get a brand new episode ready in time, but as it happens sometimes, I decide on a topic that's a little bit too big for me to be able to handle in the time frame that I've allowed myself. And I wanted to talk about what I consider to be the modern civil rights movement, talking about Black Lives Matter in particular, but also a lot of the other Black rights movements and organizations that have happened in our very modern times, I think it's really important to talk about, especially because I had been focusing so much on the history, the long ago history of Black lives and Black communities. So I figured it would be important to talk about how it's still affecting Black people to this day and what this new modern movement looks like, what we can do as allies, you know, to be more educated and aware of the certain things that the Black community within the United States are fighting for so we can better support them, but also just to learn more about the people behind these organizations, what their missions are, so on and so forth. It's been really, really fascinating for me, but, you know, I just didn't feel like it was at a place where I was able to tell you a very full, complete story. So I decided to upload an old episode. I figured that, you know, maybe you would want to hear Keegan's voice again and hear us chat with each other. So hopefully that was okay with you all and you gave that episode a listen. I think that episode was about two years old now, which is absolutely wild to think about because it seems like I just started this thing yesterday sometimes. But here we are on our 233rd mini episode, which is super mind boggling to me. One more thing before I get into today's news stories, I wanted to tell you all about another podcast that I've become aware of that I think you should check out. 
Dylan and Harper, two teenage girls, reached out to me to tell me that they started their own feminist podcast. They have been listeners of this show for years, and now they're stepping out on their own to share their knowledge with the world. I'm like a proud mama. Their show is called Feminist Hotline, and in it they talk about women's rights from two teenagers' perspectives, something that I am always eager to hear. I love chatting with my Gen Z co-workers at my retail job. I just feel like whatever I say, they always get it. Like, I know that we're going to be on the same wavelength. They're just like so progressive and outspoken and thoughtful. So I love that these two young girls have decided to do that very thing on, you know, the platform of a podcast. One of their goals is to reach other teens and educate them on feminism. I love this because I think we always learn more from our peers rather than someone who seems like an authority figure. Although I hope I've never come off as an authority figure. I do feel old now. Some of their topics include abortion rights, sexual harassment, toxic masculinity, and so on. You can find Feminist Hotline on Spotify and on YouTube. So go check them out. They are so, so sweet. And I promise this is just one last reminder before I get into the actual content of the show, but I'm so excited to continue the Angry Feminist book club journey that I've been on. I'm almost done writing the second episode for Barracoon, and I realized, again, I've been saying March 2nd over and over again. I'm actually uploading on a Wednesday, which I realized is the first. So on March 1st, I will be uploading the second and final episode covering Barracoon. Raccoon, the story of the last black cargo by Zora Neale Hurston. And I am so excited to cover this book and Kosula's story. So please, please join me on Patreon. There is a link in the show notes. But if you follow me on Instagram, there's also a link in the bio there that will take you directly to that Patreon page. The book club is at the $5 level. And there's also an $8 level where you can listen to all of these episodes ad free. Now that I'm getting more and more advertisements, although I do encourage you to listen to them and use those codes, you know. (laughs) All right, I am done blabbering on. Let's get into some of the news stories for the week. One of the biggest things that jumped out to me about this week was Joe Biden visiting Ukraine. He quietly slipped into Kiev on Monday for the first time since Russia launched their invasion of Ukraine a year ago. While American presidents have visited war zones before, Biden's visit to Ukraine is considered historic and unprecedented, according to the White House, as there has never been a visit by a president into an active war zone where the U.S. doesn't have a military presence. This was just purely out of support. Biden's visit comes at a critical moment as Russia plans an expected attack in the spring. A speech from Vladimir Putin celebrating the one-year anniversary of the beginning of the war is also set to occur soon. Biden announced a half billion dollars in new assistance, which would include more military equipment, such as artillery ammunition, more javelins and howitzers. You want thingamabobs? I've got 20. He also announced that new sanctions would be imposed on Moscow later on in the week. In his speech, Biden said, one year later, Kiev stands. The Ukraine stands. Democracy stands. It's not just about freedom in Ukraine. It's about freedom of democracy at large. Getting to Kiev was quite an operation for Biden, with every aspect of the trip being kept very secret. Even on Sunday night, the White House issued a public schedule which showed Biden in D.C. on Monday and departing in the evening for a trip to Poland. 
Reporters coming along on the trip were sworn to secrecy and were told to look out for an email containing instructions for departure with the subject line reading, Arrival Instructions for Golf Tourney. (laughs) Such a presidential subject header. The trip as a whole was there to show the unwavering support from President Biden and the United States at large. Though we are not joining in on the conflict, we will do anything we can to support democracy worldwide and protect those who are at risk of dictators. Now, one year ago, Russia launched Europe's biggest war since World War II, which is wild to think about. Russian tanks rolled into Ukraine, sending its citizens fleeing from the country and hiding in bunkers. Against the odds, Ukraine has been able to hold its ground and reclaim large areas of occupied territory and ward off Russian attempts to advance in the east, where battles are rampant. Thousands have been killed, and more than 8 million Ukrainians have traveled abroad to safety. Sanctions against Russia have seemed to be unsuccessful, but thankfully, with the international support and donations to the Ukrainian military, they have, so far, been quite successful. When I step back and really think about it, I can't imagine a war like this happening where I live. It seems so big and scary and almost like something of another time. Speaking of World War II, the image of tanks, you know, barreling down Los Angeles and coming toward my home is something that I really can't even comprehend in my mind. So trying to imagine being a Ukrainian citizen and having Russia come in with such a horrific attack doesn't even compute with me. And I just feel so sorry for anyone who had to flee the country or who is hiding or who feels unsafe there and is stuck. I wish that I could have true empathy for them, but I truly don't know what that feels like. I just have immense sympathy and pain for them. And I just feel really sorry that they are living through something so ugly and horrendous from a terrible, horrible dictator that is Vladimir Putin. I just can't stand that person. I think that he is just absolutely evil. All right, the next thing that I wanted to talk about is a bit of a broader subject that will probably be discussed more and more in the future on this show, but I feel like it hasn't been discussed a whole lot recently, and that is book bans. As many as 2,532 books have been banned in schools and libraries across the United States since 2021, and there have been more than 100 bills at the state level that would further censor books, according to the American Library Association. It always amazes me when we are discussing book bans because usually it's politicians and people on the right who want certain books banned, but they're also the people that are always claiming that their freedom of speech is being taken away, so I just find it very hypocritical. When a book is, quote, banned, it means that it has been removed from school curriculums and or public libraries because a person or group has objected to its content. An attempt to get a book removed is called a challenge. Most schools and libraries have a board made up of elected officials or appointed peoples who have the power to remove books from schools and libraries that they oversee. From January to August of last year, the American Library Association tracked 1,651 books and 681 attempts at restricting or banning library resources. According to Emily Knox, the National Coalition Against Censorship Board president, book bans create a culture of fear in a society. 
Teachers grow unsure of what they can say in a classroom, and writers question whether they should write about a certain topic out of fear of being targeted. At a local level, it can really tear communities apart. Bamsi Jaluri, a professor of media studies and Asian studies at the University of San Francisco, worries that if books are banned in schools, students will go without important cultural education. She says, If a book is banned or suppressed, they're not even going to realize that something very important is being excluded from them. The organization PEN America, a group that advocates for literacy freedom, released a report on the banned book movement and what literature is being challenged within the 2021-2022 school year. Of those, 41% had LGBTQ themes, protagonists, or prominent secondary characters. 40% had characters of color as primary or secondary characters. 21% dealt with race or racism and 22% contained sexual content. I feel like I've said a million times on this show how important representation is. Without it, we're unable to see ourselves in the world, which can result in an identity crisis for some. We cannot all be expected to be and act like white cisgender straight people, and our media cannot reflect only that. With that, here's a list of some of the books that have either been banned, removed, are under review, or have parental consent required or permission from the administration required. The Absolute True Diary of a Part-Time Indian by Sherman Alexie, The Kite Runner by Khalid Hosseini, 13 Reasons Why by Jay Asher, Perks of Being a Wallflower by Stephen Chbosky, 19 Minutes by Jody Picoult. So I was obsessed with this author in high school and this book. I think I probably read like 10 of her novels when I was a teenager. And I highly recommend if they still hold up. I haven't read them in like, gosh, now probably 13, 14 years. But I loved them when I was a kid. They were really, really good. And I rem- this 19 Minutes was about a school shooting as well. So it's kind of like, I feel like that would be really important for schools to have in their libraries. Gender Queer by Maya Kobabe, Born a Crime by Trevor Noah, This Book is Gay by Juno Dawson, Date Rape by Christine Watkins, Rush by Sapphire, and Let's Talk About It, The Teen's Guide to Sex, Relationships, and Being a Human, a graphic novel by Erica Moen and Matthew Nolan. A lot of these books I have read, but some of them I haven't, and I feel like I've just added quite a few goodies to the book club list, so be sure to look out for maybe some of these in the future. I don't know. Maybe we'll do a bit of a banned book series. All right, before I move on to the final topic of the episode, let's take a brief moment to hear from our sponsor. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. 
Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. All right, I am back, and I am going to finish off this episode with the most Madigan topic of all time, but I do feel like it is a really important conversation. So a little over a year ago were the Olympic Games, and if you will go back into the recesses of your memory, you'll probably remember hearing me yammer on and on about the doping scandal of Kamila Velieva, who was a Russian figure skater competing at the Games. It was discovered during the, I think it was like actually right after they finished with the team event, that it was discovered that she had tested positive for a banned heart medication back in Christmas of 2021. So she should not have been eligible to compete at all for the Olympics. But because she competed so well in the team event, she was like, you know, before the games even started, everyone was like, this this is the one to watch. This girl is going to blow everyone out of the water. Russia, as always, is going to kick everyone's ass, essentially. So she went out for the team event, absolutely nailed it, skated two amazing programs and really helped Russia come out on top with the gold medal in the team event. And it was the United States that actually came in second, winning the silver medal. But after the event, because they now had this knowledge about Camila's doping, the results were put on hold for the team event and no medals have ever been awarded, uh, meaning that the athletes that deserve these certain accolades have not received what they deserve. And on top of that, Camila was okayed to go on and compete in the individual events, which created just the most stressful environment, at least that's what it looked like as a viewer watching the event go down. The entire Russian team of women just looked, <laughs> girls actually, because they're really young, just looked so hurt and devastated. Camila looked humiliated, like she didn't want to be there. All of the other athletes just seemed super fucking pissed off that she was even allowed to compete. And I don't blame them because I would be too. And that sucks because then you're focusing on something else rather than thinking about the thing that you've literally trained your entire life for. I know I'm going off on a rant here, but I feel very passionately about this. Also, I haven't looked down at my notes once for this segment. Very proud of myself. So a year later, the results of the team event still have not been concluded because we are waiting for Camila's trial to go through to figure out what her culpability was in the doping scandal. The World Anti-Doping Agency is concerned with the Russian Anti-Doping Agency Tribunal, which decided that Camila bore, quote, no false or negligence for her positive test for banned heart medication. The World Anti-Doping Agency has since appealed this decision. 
Like I said, Team USA would go on to win the silver medal in the team event while Russia was still holding on to this gold medal, but they haven't been able to receive any of the benefits of this achievement. And also, if they won the silver medal and Russia is knocked off the podium, then that means that the U.S. actually technically won the gold medal. Ice dancer Zach Donahue said that the team missed out on their memorable Olympic victory moment on the podiums. They missed out on financial opportunities from bonuses, show appearances, and sponsorships, and those still competing don't go into their events with the status and title of an Olympic medal winner. I didn't even think about this. But that is a huge badge of honor for anyone who is still competing in the sport. I was just watching Nationals. I was watching Nationals. And Brady Tunnell, who was unable to compete at the past Olympics but did compete in the 2018 Olympics, is always mentioned as being an Olympic athlete. And then there's other skaters who are competing who are not mentioned as such. And I never really even like noticed the difference. But yeah, they don't give these athletes the accolades that they deserve for participating in the Olympic Games and actually being medal winners. And figure skating isn't like a lot of other sports. Like if you're a famous football player or soccer player or baseball player, your sponsorships are absolutely wild. And back in the 90s and 2000s, I feel like figure skaters did reach that level of celebrity status a lot more than they do today. And that's a big thing that's discussed in the international skating world. Like how can we bring more fans back to figure skating. And I could go on and on. I could do a whole other podcast about all of my thoughts on that. So I'm not even going to start because I won't stop. But I think that there's definitely a huge difference from the eras of like Michelle Kwan and Christy Yamaguchi, who were these household names, even going as far back as like Dorothy Hamill, Scott Hamilton, Dick Button. I mean, there's so many of these famous skaters throughout history that became these Peggy Fleming. Oh, my God. But they became these like huge household names and stars. And they would go on to do really amazing things after their athletic careers were over. But that doesn't really happen for figure skaters anymore. And the fact that these skaters, especially the ones who have retired, haven't received the sort of acknowledgement of their achievements from the Olympic Games, it kept them from making money. And they probably will have to continue you working either, you know, a lot of skaters go on to coach and choreograph, but a lot of those that are still really in their best physical shape, they do a lot of ice shows and things like that, but you don't make the same amount of money as someone who is an Olympic medal winner. It's just, it's so messy and I really feel for these athletes and I feel like it can seem like such a trivial thing. But I think that there's also just such this important history of the Olympics and the integrity of what that means. And it is something that I feel like as a world culture, we kind of like have always put our differences aside and like celebrated the Olympics together. And it's this really like joyous coming together world peace kumbaya kind of moment, or at least that's what they want it to be. We know that's not always the case. But there is like a certain integrity of the Olympic Games and that ice dancer Zach Donahue spoke with the media about that a little bit. 
They said the decision being postponed for so long really detracts from the integrity of the Olympic image and the Olympic values. And I think it takes a lot away from the integrity that the majority of athletes chose in the choices they make on an everyday basis of how they train, how they fuel, how they recover. So the conversation was a lot more than just one medal ceremony at stake here. It's about the way the world views the sport and the way the world views specifically figure skating. And that's something really in jeopardy. Especially with Russian figure skaters, particularly in the ladies event, being such a dominating force. A lot of people have also felt like it isn't fair, you know, that the Russian skaters are no longer competing with the rest of the world. Essentially, they're just doing these insular like Russian competitions, it seems. But, you know, I've even heard Max say like, this isn't fair. Like, shouldn't we be competing against the best of the best? And I'm like, yeah, but at the best of the best is manipulating their body with these drugs are they really the best of the best and can we trust that they're not doping their kids i mean i've spoken about this on the show but the way that the russian figure skating community trains their young young children is nothing short of abusive and you know it's interesting especially because i really grew up in that culture and i had a friend one of my best friends growing up at skating actually would like taken these three Russian teenagers once a year when Professor Alexei Mishin, this Olympic medal winning coach, like absolute fucking legend and total creep, would come to our rink once or twice a year. It used to be more than that before I showed up, but he would train the students, he would train the coaches and his technique and things like that. And he would bring along these three boy skaters of his, these little like protégés. And the oldest, I think, was like 16 and the youngest was like 11. And they all had all of their triples by the time they were 10 years old. They were training at such a high, ridiculous level for being so young. But they were placed as these examples for us. And eventually he brought one of his female skaters with, which I was like, oh, God, I hope she's okay with this man. But it really did show a level of dedication that was really seen as desirable for the skaters at my rink and for myself. I wanted to have that level of dedication to be able to do these amazing things, but I also saw the really abusive side of a lot of things. And I don't speak Russian, so I don't know what was said, but I could understand the tone and the things that I had heard and the treatment of even just the skaters that I interacted with during my youth and things like that. But hearing all of these stories about how particularly Russian skaters have led really damaging lives after quitting the sport because they've just been used and used and used and then spit out and forgotten. So I really want the sport as a whole to become a healthier, more welcoming, accepting sport. It is such a privileged white sport as well, and I want that to continue to change. I really hope that there is a way to bring fans back to the sport and to help show these athletes that we appreciate this beautiful sport that is also so unbelievably challenging and give them the accolades that they deserve as a worldwide sport. Thank you so much for letting me ramble on about figure skating for a while, but it was kind of this year update and it made me think about all of this stuff again. And I care so much about the sport, even though I'm not really involved in it anymore, but I'm a huge fan of it and I want to see it do 
better. And I want to see the skaters that I love being appreciated in the way that they deserve. So that is all. I also want younger skaters who enjoy the sport to always stay safe. So, all right. Well, that is all of the news topics that I have to share with you today. I am going to remind you all once again to go check out the Patreon website and see which of the tiers is right for you. If you want to join the Angry Feminist Book Club, you can join the $5 level where you will get two episodes a month that will be covering whatever book is the book of the month. Um, I'm going to remind you again that next month's book is Women Talking by Miriam Taves. I am going to be doing two episodes covering that book as well, much like I did with this month's book, Barracoon, The Story of the Last Black Cargo by Zora Neale Hurston. If you have read Barracoon and you haven't reached out to me yet with any of your thoughts and feelings, things that you want to share for the episode, please do that by February 28th. Feel free to email me at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com or DM me on Instagram at angryneighborhoodfeminist. And just a reminder of one of the best ways that you can support the show is by leaving a review, both on Apple Podcasts. You can leave a five-star review and write a quick sentence about why you enjoyed the show to give other people a little bit of a nudge to press play, or you can also rate the show on Spotify. I will love you forever and be eternally grateful. All right, I always feel like I'm missing something at the end that I should remind you about, and I'm not, so I apologize if I've forgotten anything. But I will also remind you one more time to go check out Feminist Hotline, that new podcast from the lovely teenage girls that I mentioned at the top of the episode. Definitely go give them a listen. They're so, so sweet. All right, well, that is all I have for you today. With all of that being said, I encourage you to rage on. Bye. Hi, I'm Alexis Ohanian. You may know me as one of the co-founders of Reddit, but more recently, a large part of my identity is being a father to my two wonderful daughters. In my podcast, Business Dad, I'm hoping to open up the conversation about balancing careers and family. The one thing I constantly hear successful people say, without fail, is that they wish they'd spent more time with their kids. That's time no one can get back. So I decided to create Business Dad, to engage in the conversation about how we're spending our time now, providing a forum for successful dads to share their joys and challenges of being a working parent. You'll get to hear from a wide range of business dads, from Rain Wilson and Guy Raz to Todd Carmichael and Shane Battier. And while this podcast will talk about business and will definitely be featuring dads, I think everyone can learn something from these incredible conversations as we unpack the expectations we all have about careers, relationships, and ourselves. Business Dad is available now, so be sure to listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. 